welcome to episode 158 of the NFL Scotland podcast. It is now less than a week. We're so damn close. My name is Cameron Hobbs. He sounds highly excited and so am I. TBR will take his place under centre for the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay reject. We'll be hearing more about that from our guests as well. Oh, I'm so looking forward to the season. I'm Paul Mitchell. <laughs> yes, and we've got a couple of Charles up our sleeves. So, first of all, from the NFL Scotland team, welcome back again, Charles Patterson. Good evening, sir. Good evening. I'm fighting with technology, but I'm as excited as you about next weekend and delighted that the Packers don't have to go to New Orleans anymore because of a unforeseen uh, tropical incident. It means, it's, it means that they're absolutely guaranteed to win. Great, great start of the season coming up. <laughs> Uh, and we also welcome back a man. And now, if I look at the the people in front of me, I I'm due a substantial amount of uh, bread and meat to to these gentlemen. And 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 a man's come back to claim his steak. Um, and it might be a steak burger that you get. <laughs> Please welcome back to the podcast, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, Daggers. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. I actually, I was trying to wrap my brain, actually, for how many burgers you did owe me from the first time that I appeared on the NFL Scotland podcast. Um, I'm, I, I think I used up one hand and I'm going into a second uh, for, for, the, for, for the amount. So do not think for one moment that I won't be at some point in time up to collect them. And I will be gleefully having them in one sitting as well. I don't care. I won't eat. I won't eat for three weeks prior to coming up when I know that I'm going that way. But it's delightful to be back on this, what can only be described as the 158th episode. It's it's talismanic, really, and it's uh, majesty uh, to, to be involved with. But great to be back with you guys. And it's great that it, we're, we're just a week away and this is just the best time uh, of the year for all of us. All of the optimism that we'll show and uh, all of our predictions, which will go horribly awry. Uh, and it's fantastic to, uh, to be part of it. As, as um, so, thank you for inviting me again. Always a pleasure to have you. And first of all, what have you been doing this summer? What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Well, I've been working. I mean, after last year's cricket season, um, so obviously for those who don't know, I'm Sky Sports cricket commentator and and, um, and and do a little bit of work for the BBC as well. Although not as much nowadays, telly sort of started taking control a little bit more. Um, but last year's uh, season was ravaged by by COVID, um, and now a lot of a lot of that was made up for this year. Uh, so there's been a lot of cricket, both from the men's and women's perspective. Um, I've been covering the the women's internationals, um, England India series, uh, the Vitality Blast T20 series for the domestic, and then we've had the launch of the hundred, um, the new competition, which has got it. It really has sort of been both sides of the fence. You're either one thing or the other, it seems. No one can seem to just enjoy a bit of cricket. Who <laughs> goodness me, you've either got to absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. There is no room, especially on social media, uh, which I've, I've had some fun with social media this summer as well. Um, but that has been exciting. I wasn't supposed to be working it, but but I got about 13, 14 games uh, and, and it was fantastic. It was a great experience. It was something new. Uh, there's things that need working on it, um, but otherwise it was it was for me more cricket, and I love cricket, so that's great. Uh, and then still working now until we've got the the, the final uh, England versus New Zealand women's test series that's uh, um, one day series that's going on at the moment. Uh, and so yeah, just, just slowly calming down, but it has been a manic 
sunner. I've, I've done, I think, around about 14,000, 15,000 miles in the space of about two and a half months. So um, so my little mini is feeling a bit battered and bruised at the moment. But, uh, but no, on good form, fighting form, and ready to spend my winter glued to my new TV. I've bought a telly specifically for the NFL. You won't believe it, but I have. I've moved down south. I'm now, I'm now a northerner that moved to the Midlands, and I'm now down south. Um, and I've, I had this enormous wall in this new place that I've got, this, this flat. I've just got this little two-bedroom flat. But what it did have was an enormous wall. Well, being a single bloke as I am, the wall needs filling with an American <laughs> football-sized television. So that's what I've bought myself. Uh, and I can't wait to test, test it out on, uh, on Scott. I'm going to see Scott Hansen in my room. He's going to be, like, basically there in my room. It's so exciting. <laughs> So, I mean, you'll be wishing you had that uh, a couple of months ago. Take us back to that moment. And let's get this out of the way because it's still, you know, there's still a little bit of bile at the top of my throat when I think back to an, uh, Brady winning an really? bloody Super Bowl. Really? Take us, You're not the only one. Take us back to that, Daggers. Have your moment because we'll be moving on and we'll be trying to pull the rug from under your feet for the rest of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, abso- so. absolutely. I can imagine you will be. Look, I like to think that Tom Brady learned everything. Uh, at Tampa Bay, um, you know, it was, you know, this was just the prelude. The stuff in New England really is, you know, uh, I mean, that's by the by. Uh, and um, it was just an hors d'oeuvre to what he's actually going to achieve in his 40s and maybe into his 50s uh, in South Florida. Uh, you know, hey, the tax laws down there mean that he can just keep earning and keep earning. And, and look, um, I will put my hand on my heart and say, I didn't expect them. I, I think we, when we talked, I said, I think we'll be, we'll be in the playoffs. I didn't think they were necessarily ready due to the fact that it was, again, a COVID-ravaged preseason. There was no preseason, So everybody uh, was sort of learning on the fly, and especially Tom Brady, who is learning a new offense under Bruce Arians. Uh, he's got a brand new team, a brand new situation, and I expected just through his quality and also the the, the quality that was on the books rosters uh, roster because they were playoff ready. They just needed someone half decent under centre. Um, but I never thought they'd get to the Super Bowl. Obviously, delighted they would, and I still thought Kansas City were going to be too strong. I think in the week leading up to it, the two tackles. Uh, being injured made a massive difference. I don't think they may necessarily would have made a difference to the the end result because I just thought our front seven were in super. They were just fantastic. Um, but I did think that Patrick Mahomes just running constantly was a, a big hindrance to the Kansas City Chiefs. I didn't think we would win it, but we did. And so for the next 40 minutes, I'm going to tell you about uh, how great it is to be a Super Bowl winning supporter. Oh, look, come on. You've got to give it. We've had 20 years, 20 years of things being so thin and us being so poor. Um, and I, I, I knew that roster was quality. There was a lot of quality on that. I would argue they had the best receiving core in the league. Um, I would argue that they had a pretty reasonable offensive line. Their front seven was fantastic. The secondary I had question marks over, but the drafting of Antoine Winfield, um, the, the obviously the capture of Tom Brady, and they were really the pieces that needed to be put into place. Um, cornerbacks improved. I still have a worry uh, about them, but, you know, a- along with everything else, I think um, I think they were a Super Bowl ready or, or a playoff 
team um, and those pieces put into place just meant that I think you get Tom Brady in the playoffs and I'm sure Paul and Charles will agree, even though begrudgingly, you get into the playoffs and then that's where Tom takes over. That's where experience counts. <laughs> that is where if you've been there and done it, you you know, you 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 know how to win in those situations. And that's where um uh, that's where he came to the fore. So so yeah, it was brilliant and it has been brilliant. We're thoroughly delighted. We'll talk about the offseason, I'm sure. But um yeah, it's nice to be smug for eight months. I've not felt that feeling for, for 20 years. So it, whenever anyone talks about, about, you know, about the NFL to you, you can just sort of go, well, yes, uh, we are Super Bowl champions. And, uh, and, and, then just, and, and then just continue the conversation. So, yeah, sorry, you know, sorry to everyone else, but I have been smug for eight months and I will continue to be so. Cameron, can you mute him? Yeah. So just for those listening along and just to keep this show on the road, right? When I because we've got two Charles here. When I say daggers, I'm talking to daggers when I say Charles. Are we chatting to Charles Parson? Charles, um, flip side of the coin here, for all the smugness that Daggers has been able to appreciate and and it's guided him through the summer. Right? He's, he's ridden oh. those months on a cloud of elation. The flip to that is stuffing the NFC Championship game because your secondary is an absolute shambles. Take us back as a Packer and, and walk us through what that was like again for you. Well... It's, I mean, having been an irrelevant franchise for 20 years and probably going to be an irrelevant franchise as soon as Brady hangs up his cleats, um, you're entitled <laughs> to your moment of mugness. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Um, I, I, my question to Daggers is, would you accept you got lucky? Because there was an inept head coach on the other side who didn't realise that he had the MVP. All you need to do is use him. And by the way, Tom Brady threw three interceptions in that game. So Tom Brady... Ultimately, mm. got mm. fortunate. Let's be frank. Mm. He was lucky to run into Washington and then into New Orleans, who, let's be honest, had a quarterback who couldn't throw past five yards. And then past, you, you get lucky again by running into a head coach that makes cock-ups. And and that, the look, best player in the league. So it's, it's you interesting. get lucky into the Super Bowl. It's interesting. <laughs> no, no, you, you make no salient points. Um, it's interesting the Packers do wear green because green's not, uh, it's an ugly colour on your gels. Envy um, <laughs> is one of the seven deadly sins. And uh, as as we know, it, it, you know, had you, um, uh, you know, had you kicked an extra point, I think, or, or should you go for two? Did. Or, or should you go problem. for the field? It was the field goal. Point. It was the field goal, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. It, was, it was those decisions that were made. And um, I have to admit, I was watching that game. I was watching that game going, what? are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You've had an absolute shocker. Um, and it was, was it the, uh, the touchdown before half-time? Oh. oh, yeah, the yeah. touchdown. Get, wide open, wide Kevin open. King. Hello, the touchdown behind, and it was Scotty Miller, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the touchdown before half-time, I've just gone, ooh, ooh, dear old Lord. And uh, yeah, so look, we, as a smug franchise, um, <laughs> we accept all, all, you know, we accept other people's deficiencies. You have them. And you're not just, uh, you know, we are a team. We have all of our players and all of our head coaches. We accept wins and defeats as a team. 
Um, you are picking out certain players who you're having a go at your own team. We don't do that in Tampa Bay. No, no. Um, because that's the kind of attitude that leads us to Super Bowl wins. I tell you um, what Tampa Bay do. Tampa Bay sell out when they realise that they drafted a dud and then they shipped him off to the team that's next door and then bring in a guy because they throw money at him because it's sunny in Florida and because he can bring his mates. That's what Tampa yeah. Bay do. Yeah. Absolutely sorry, sorry. Out. All I can, I've Absolutely. got something I, weird on the line. All I, I can hear is... Them, me, 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 me. That's all I can hear. I'm sorry. Is there anything better in life? Is there anything better in life? That an absolutely sour Packers fan. Yeah, so oh, we should have been this. <laughs> it's absolute music. It really is. You can keep your 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 rhapsody and blues, and you can keep your Beatles rubber soul, and you can keep all of that. There's nothing sweeter than a Packers fan just moaning <laughs> that they've got the best quarterback in the league, right? And yet still don't give him any weapons and make bonehead decision, uh, decisions need any weapons. coaching and GM. Charles, sorry, 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 please, please carry on. Tell me why you should have won the Super Bowl but didn't. No, listen. I, I've, I, no, Charles, Charles hang on, hang on. I'm going to take over here. I'm going to give the Saints perspective. I have to tell you, week one, beating Brady's Bucks was sweet. Winning 38-3 in Tampa was yeah. an awesome weekend to be a saint but when it came to the crunch you made the point you know Tampa won the playoff game and you know it upset me greatly uh I could come on here and claim that you know we won two two games to one we won on aggregate as well but it doesn't matter I mean that that defeat at, at home I think it proved the maxim daggers that the offense in American sport it's hard to beat a team three times and yeah. I was wary of having beaten the Bucks relatively easily as well. And I'm, I'm not being yeah, facetious when I say that. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the one in Tampa Bay was just a glorious beatdown of, of all things that were wrong at that time. But I think that may have helped to galvanise Tampa Bay. And we just, we didn't turn up, as far as I was concerned, in the playoff game. I just I think horrible. What, there, there was numerous moments, actually, being serious, there was numerous moments in the Bucks season that, that sort of assisted. Um, and I go back to a defeat against Chicago, at Chicago. And um, it was, I mean, it really was a, a shocker. I mean, we had a shocker against the Saints when we lost that by so many. And, and I've got a funny feeling that was primetime game as well. And, and it was um, uh, thinking back. But, but I, again, I go back to this learning on the fly, learning what works. They had the first sort of, until the bye week, to find out what worked, what didn't, where they needed to improve. Um, and again, how the, the, the synergy between Brady and Arians' offense would work. And, 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 you know, and I think post bye week, I think that's when they went on that run and didn't get, de and, and weren't defeated until the end of the season. When it goes to playoffs, uh, I, I I was with you. I expected the, the Bucks to beat the Saints for that very reason that you said. It's very difficult to beat three. You know, they will learn. And it is very difficult to beat a side in, three times in American sport. The only, and I may, maintain this, the way the Packers were playing, the only quarterback or the only team that could have beaten the Packers in Green Bay, because I don't think New Orleans would have done, 
Um, and I don't think any side would in the NFC at that point would have gone to Green Bay and win is Tampa Bay. And the only reason is Tom Brady. Tom, no other quarterback was beating Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. Now, okay, Tom Brady threw three interceptions and stuff, but it's just, the, it's almost like the myth coming to um, to the NFC. Remember, they won't have played in playoff football before, apart from in the Super Bowl. And as much as you want to shake your head, Charles, um, <laughs> the the he was the only one that could have possibly done that. And no, and. and no, we beat ourselves. We beat ourselves. We beat ourselves. Do you know what? The reason I say that is because the year before they went into San Francisco and got absolutely royally steamrollered. And that was not playing a team and blowing up. That was playing a team and being you know, destroyed. And I've, mm. I've, I remember watching that sitting next to Cameron and the, you, you know you think you're smug you should have seen how smug he was that day dear <laughs> yeah. lord I mean just, we couldn't beat the Chiefs we couldn't beat the Joker from yeah. Batman I mean it was ridiculous but <laughs> yeah but it's nice it's nice getting to the Super Bowl though isn't it Cameron? it is nice to be oh, there should, like, to be honest you should, you, should tell, you should tell Charles what that feels like it's, it's been a while it's a warm <laughs> feeling it's a warm feeling and funnily enough do you know okay. what I'm, I did a slightly different journey to you obviously we lost to the Chiefs we've talked about this on the pod before but I put some money on the Chiefs because I could see it coming certainly at the start of the third quarter and that bought me a new telly so do you know what there's oh, nothing great, better than a new telly after a Super Bowl no matter what the outcome isn't eh? it lovely yeah. well, well Charles is still watching his on his black and white, which you have to turn with the dials like on, this. On this, well, the, the irony being, I'm, I'm actually doing this podcast on a new computer that I bought because I don't have one and I don't know how to the, work the, it. This is the there smugness graph index, <laughs> which is now off the chart. Okay, I know it doesn't work on a podcast, but it does if I describe it properly. The smugness level has gone off the graph. Yeah, yes, it's sky high. <laughs> Let's bring some decorum here. Let's get some decorum on, on, here. On a, on. on a serious note, I'm curious because. You, we enter this new season next week and funnily enough the four teams that we all follow um, are probably the four of the probably the best six in the NFC mm. and I do wonder whether or not um, we're looking at the four division teams for the divisional playoffs because actually the NFC isn't very very good I would say you know and I don't know what you think about that Daggers but I think I don't think that there's much quality in the NFC and I could see I could see all four teams cont contending to get to the, the championship game again. Yeah, totally can. I'll be intrigued to know who San Francisco are going to start. You, you, uh, you know, my gut feel is that, you, that Jimmy G is going to start. And I still think he's a very high, he's a high quality performer. You do, you know, you've got two, you've got obviously the rookie there. Uh, Lance, isn't it? And and with what all the weapons, but you don't draft a rookie in the first. You don't draft a quarterback in the first round and and don't play him. So so whether he learns for a season or whatever, and you you offload Jimmy G before the trade deadline or something like that, I don't know. Um, but that that's still a very good. Is two nice options to have. Um, I imagine if you're New Orleans. Um, you'll probably want to maybe take a look into bringing Jimmy G uh, after. You know, Jameis has thrown probably 15 interceptions in the first five weeks. But, um, uh, but I, I think what where the books have, and I, I don't know if this is unprecedented or not, and, and you guys will probably know better than I, but considering the amount of players that were out of contract and with the possibility of looming free agency to re-sign 
all 22 starters is nothing short of miraculous. The way that Jason Light has done it, and to be able to, to you know, usually there is turnover. In today's NFL, there is always turnover. But to re-sign all 22 and the mathematics involved and the, and the cap structure and all of that sort of stuff, how he's managed to do that, goodness only knows. Now, we may only have them all for one year, but he's managed to do it and keep the band together and add to it uh, in, certain, in certain pockets. But I agree. I think San Francisco, I, 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 think, I think the most competitive will be the NFC West I, I really do. You know, Seattle are always going to be in the mix, even though they are deficient in sort in certain areas. Russell's going to keep them in the hunt. San Francisco are going to be there or thereabouts. And the St. Louis uh, and uh, St. Louis, blah, blah, blah. the Los Angeles Rams, I think, are going to be very frisky this year. I really I think we're gonna, we have them in week three. Um, and I think we're going to go there and I think we'll be defeated. Uh, I think they're going to be a frisky unit. But NFC, the NFC least, I don't see anyone coming. You know, they have to have a division winner because they have to. But I can't, you know, I can't see anyone really um, threatening uh, th- you know, threatening to, to, to go all the way from there. So I think there's lots of interesting sort of storylines and bylines for, from, from this, uh, for this year. It's, it's been a fascinating summer. And like you say, I think you're right. There's a, a consistency is key. And to keep that core team together, they're staying because they know they can win. Right, sim- simply put, because they could have got more money elsewhere. They could have. Yeah. Even with the cutbacks yeah. to the salary cap, there are teams that are out there that would have paid some of these guys the money they wanted because they've just won a Super Bowl. Of course they would have. But, and funnily enough, this brings me back around to something I said in the previous podcast, although I'll save it for later. But you go back to Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette, I think, had other options, but decided to come to Tampa Bay and probably take less money than he could have got elsewhere and then stay again because he knows he can win under Brady. And ultimately, that's a decision you can make to go. This is an opportunity to play for a guy who is still at the very top of his game in a roster that is deep with talent that immediately means for me that the Bucks and the Chiefs are the two teams at the top and the, the bookies stats and odds say the same thing. They're the two teams that are the favourites to win the Super Bowl again. And now... I, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. He is, he is a, an enormous factor. If, if you're thinking of re-signing, well, I could go to... You know, I could go to Houston for two million more, but actually I could, you know, I can do that next year, but I won't mind another ring because two looks really, really good. One's, one people ask about two, wearing two on your fingers. You know, he's running out of fingers, is Tom. Um, but but I think he is an enormous factor on um, staying, and you talk about his prime. Okay, his prime is not necessarily that he's still playing at a superb level. At the age of 44, it's ridiculous. But he is a factor that Jason Light will have gone into a lot of these meetings and sort of say, yeah, you can, you know, yeah, you can go. This is what we can afford. But do you fancy winning another? And then I'll let you go. And then you can go. For a lot of these players, that, that is a, a legitimate option. If you're if you're if you're Levante David, or if you're um Chris Godwin, I know Chris Godwin was was um tanked, but Many of these players could have turned around, as you say, and go. But the fact the fact that he's still there and they fancy another one whilst he's still there, poor, do they ever. And and the money will always be there for them when they want to go. Yeah. And Daggers, I'm interested to ask you, um, and we've been asking this question for 10 years, at what point does Brady fall off the cliff? Because every human being does it, every quarterback does it. And if so, what's the succession plan? 
It's a good question. Um, and it's a little bit like, I'm going to put it in, I'm sorry to do this, but it's a little bit of a, uh, I'm going to equate it to a cricket one. <laughs> And that is and that is James Anderson. Mm. Now, James Anderson will tell you when he's not ready to play anymore or not bowling at the way that he can he can bowl or perform. He's the fittest 39-year-old, bar the fittest 44-year-old. But in, in, in sport, when he gets to that level, when you have played at the top level, the elite level for two decades, and still are performing at the high highest possible level they know themselves when they're slipping and will stop if he feels that it, and it will only be when he decides i don't see people like that staying on just because they want to be in they, they want to be part of the dance um still because it's their own legacies that will be actually judged and and you know what they don't want those characters i'm talking about what they don't want is to be tagged with, well, he's not the player he was. At the moment, they still are. Mm. They still are the players that they were. They still hold on to those those high levels and maintain them. And so I think the succession plan, and this is what, I, I, to go back to a slightly different subject, uh, Charles, is that what Tampa Bay needed was a change of culture. They needed a change of attitude and a winning mentality, and that's what they got. They got a great quarterback anyway. But actually what they needed was to change the culture within the organization, and that is what Tom Brady gives you. They, he taught them how to win and what it takes to win, and everybody's keeping up with Tom in that locker room. And there is an instant respect from young players uh, to try and improve and work harder because of who their sort of team leader is. And it's a little bit like that with James Anderson, kind of, you know, within the England dressing room. You've got to meet his standards. You've got to meet his levels. And that having that experience and respect at the age that they are is, is something very, very similar. And so when you talk about succession planning, yeah, they drafted this Kyle Trask. Um, and th so they have a young buck who's going to, learn and sit and watch the greatest arguably that's ever been on the sidelines for one year maybe two years that's not bad prep whether he's whether he's the guy or not but at least they've got the idea of that in place um you know but to all intents and purposes he's a reasonably good young quarterback you know he's accurate he's not got a huge arm they say and and all of that but he's he's decent enough and so you know a lot of people have been talking about him but he gets to learn they also have the spine of the team sorted. Um, you know, their draft, you look through their draft picks, you look at, and this is going back to the Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, uh, John Lynch spine of the defense. You drafted Vita Vea. You've drafted Devin White. You've also just drafted this Joe Tryon as well. You drafted Antoine Winfield. You've got a spine of defense that could be in situ for a long time to come. You've drafted a great right tackle in Tristan Wirfs. You know, these are core players who could be at, at Buccaneers for, for a good while to come. So you talk about succession planning. That's You would hope as a fan that that is what they are trying to put into place. Because if they are... Uh, or, uh, now, given what they've got at the moment, they're in a position to do so. Um, and so I'll be intrigued to see who they draft next year. Are they going to draft another offensive lineman? Are they going to 
you know, draft a, a you know a top quality running back. Who knows? But but the the as a Buccaneers fan, they're in a better position to do so now than arguably where they've just been drafting quarterback after quarterback. Let's surround this quarterback with weapons, rah rah rah, and not having the right guy. So. A couple of questions for you, and we're going to come on to Jameis Winston after that because uh, I feel like Charles, Charles Parsons had the abuse. Mitchell's been avoiding it. We need to move on. So um, I'm, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's imbalanced, Daggers. This podcast yeah. exists to give Paul Mitchell a hard time about his football team. So, you know, we need to get that back. However, before we yeah, get we'll there, totally. two questions for you. One, and it can be a simple yes, no. Brady goes down week four, is out for the rest of the season. Is that the Buccaneers season over? Yes or no? Uh, no, but struggling. Struggling, fine. Okay, backup plan. Cam Newton. Does Cam Newton become a viable, cheap option for a quarterback who wants to come and win a ring? And would you have him at Tampa Bay? No. Okay. Any chance he goes there, do you think? No. <laughs> we, no. We can't, no. We can't force this on you. Why. <laughs> right. Uh, you, oh, you want me to expand? Sorry. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, I'm right. just uh, going to say, I've put down the two landing spots as being Dallas Cowboys, I see, is a great slot because of the lack of depth and question marks over Dak. And Jerry Jones likes that kind of snazziness to a player. Like, I feel like Cam Newton is a Jerry Jones player. I've had, I put this on our previous pod and I got a message from one what, of our Dallas Cowboys fans saying, stop hating the Cowboys. I was like, I don't hate the Cowboys. I don't. I promise. But option two for me is Tampa Bay. Does he take a $2 million contract and do a Leonard Fournette? I'm going to go to Tampa, sit behind Brady, step in if I'm needed, get a ring, and maybe take over the team. Um, no. Uh, the reason is he's cat. Um, <laughs> and I will, I will die on this hill. Uh, and so you're all going to come back. Well, he was MVP. He is not a good quarterback. right? I want my quarterback to be an accurate passer, to get it to my playmakers who can then go off and do their jobs and, and make plays and gain yardage. Cam Newton's accuracy, accuracy issues have been there since day one. If he is not a viable running threat anymore, then he ain't the quarterback. That is, and, and I'm sorry, I will again die on this hill <laughs> that I, I that he has never been a solid or decent passer of a football. And you can throw all the stats at me as much as you like. And he's taken the Carolina to the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Very good. He still can't pass a ball accurately. And that is my number one. If I've got a young kid backing up Tom Brady and he can be semi-accurate and complete 50% of his passes, then at least that gives me an opportunity to, to win. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily... Um, I would, I would take, I would, no, I don't like, I know, no, he doesn't land at Tampa and I'll <laughs> cry if he does. Um, I think there are better out there. There you go. And I, I think he's, I think he's been a horrible quarterback from day one. I think I'm a bit of an old school sporting person where I don't care what you wear. I really don't care what you wear because if you can back it up, then wear what you like. If you look a bit stupid with your fashions and all of that sort of stuff, and I know it's great for social media and, oh, what's Cam wearing this week? Yeah, that's fine. Have you won any Super Bowls? No. Then stick on a pair of jeans or the, or the club outfit and go out and talk to the media. <laughs> Don't make yeah. it. 
because he's one of those quarterbacks that makes it about him. Do you remember uh, there was a time where he got he was injured and he got flanked for running on the field and celebrating a touchdown pass by a young quarterback. Can't remember for the life of me who it was. And he got flagged 15 yards, which made me think, hey, you want the social media clips of you going on and celebrating because you're injured. And I just thought, no, you're not for me. You're not my type of guy. And and that's so if he lands at Tampa Bay, I'll be I'll come back. We'll do a pod, right? <laughs> and I'll come back and just complain for, for 40 minutes. Uh, Charles Patterson, I'll let you lead that one. Uh, that'll be uh, Patterson's Revenge Pod is what that's going to be called. Uh, yeah, it will be. It will be. <laughs> so let's right. cut now. Let's cut now to a man who shares a very similar view when it comes to Cam Newton. Uh, and we'll get his view on his new QB1 because Paul Mitchell, Jameis Winston time is officially landing in New Orleans um, and we haven't really <laughs> spoken about we knew it was Can't coming wait. but we've not really <laughs> spoken about this in any great length and I feel like with Daggers here we've got we've got someone who can keep you right Paul because you've got your opinion but Daggers can validate or invalidate he's our fact check if you want so he's going to fact check your <laughs> statements as you go through here and keep you right or wrong so Paul how, how are you feeling about Jameis taking over? Well, fact check number one, my tablet's down to 5% power. So if I do if I do disappear, um, that will be the reason. Look, I said it at the top of the program, and I'll say it again. Tampa Bay reject. You cannot win a Super Bowl with a guy who got booted out of another franchise because he wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. Uh, now, th- this is where conflict comes in, and, and it's a question of faith. If you if you trust your head coach, as I do, Sean Payton, he sees something there. You know, last year I could understand as a backup, I wanted Winston out of there and somebody else in. I cannot see us being the Saints winning a Super Bowl with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Didn't work for Tampa. It's not going to work for us. I think this is a dead season for us. And I'm really worried. I'm going to come in with an early fact check. You cannot win a Super Bowl with a reject quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that they themselves rejected. Just, just saying. Just but, but go on. Yep. Yeah, but he, he wasn't. He wasn't picked up from his rivals, having played there for four years, having a terrible record against New Orleans, and chucking yes. the ball to yep. anybody but his own players. Um, you know, so. Sean Payton sees something. Now, Sean Payton's been around this game a long time. Sean Payton also knows, despite the fact he's won a Super Bowl, if you go through a couple of bad seasons, you'll get hooked. So, you know, I mean, Payton would get a job elsewhere. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, you're looking at your legacy and what, you know, what you want to do. He wants to build another Super Bowl team. The Saints are close in so many ways. I just think it's it's a really bad decision, and I'm torn. I don't like James Winston. I never have liked James Winston as a quarterback. I thought Mariota was the better choice to go number one. I would rather have Mariota, uh, who's currently sitting second uh, yeah. behind Derek Carr. I think he's a much better quarterback. And, and Charles mentioned it. It's about leadership. And I don't think, you know, so you've got one quarterback who goes to Tampa Bay with a fistful of rings and immediately lifts that franchise and we get one coming to us who wants to stuff three fingers down his throat and eat a W. No, doesn't work for me. I'm, I, would you? Know, you I, sorry, would Charles. you? Would you have gone with? Would you have given Taysom Hill a shot? Yeah, I would have done. I think that's not a wasted year because I think we would have discovered whether Taysom Hill can do it over a 16, 17-game season or not. That's the way I would have done it. I would have looked at. I, I actually quite fancied them taking Sam Darnold, and I thought he was worth a gamble. 
Um, you know, I against James Sam Darnold was done in New York. He needed to get out of there. I think he's a great prospect. I would have really liked to see him there. I think this is a wasted year for the Saints because I don't think James Winston is capable of leading them to the victories they're looking for. Um, and I would have much rather we'd gone elsewhere. It's interesting. It's providing a lot of friction in the Mitchell household. Uh, eldest son has bought into the fact that we're a good team. Give Winston a chance. And, you know, Dad, you're always talking about, you know, giving people a second chance and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and and that's where it becomes difficult because it's hard to argue that with your own kid. But, you know, I, I just think there's enough evidence there gathered over the times a starter in Tampa Bay to suggest he will not be able to do it. If it's wrong, if, you know, it, it will end badly. And if I'm wrong, hey, I'll come on, I'll admit that I was wrong, but I don't see the Saints having a winning record this season. What I've enjoyed there is is basically Paul absolutely nailing his starting quarterback, but then using his son to show that he's not a bad guy because he <laughs> likes giving people second chances. I, 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 you know, I, I've totally enjoyed that. Um, but uh, look. This new, I agree. I massively agree with Paul. And I think Marcus Mariel would have been a really nice fit there. And I think Sam Donald, that's where I had Sam Donald going. I had Sam Donald going to New Orleans. I think, I think quarterbacks sometimes are given very little help. And Sam Donald had just got no chance. He was a no win situation at New York because they just didn't give him any assistance whatsoever. And, and how can you judge? whether a kid is is decent enough. I thought he actually performed admirably considering the situation he found himself in. All you're asking for any young quarterback is a chance to see what they can do. I think he's actually found a, a decent home in Carolina and I can't wait to see what he can do. And I actually hope he's successful. Yes. But as for Jameis, now what I think will have happened in New Orleans is Jameis will have gone down there and been an excellent teammate. And all the players will have absolutely loved him and sort of like will be really keen that he's got a shot at being the starting quarterback. There is a difference between liked and being respected for what you've done. At the back of their minds, he's a great bloke, James. He's a really, he's really all in on us and he's, he's a super bloke to have around. But actually, in the back of your mind, is he that question that you asked, is he going to lead us to a Super Bowl, is probably whirling around the back of the Saints player's head. Now, there's other aspects to this as well. The positives are Sean Payton is an offensive guru and hopefully he will get the best out of it and, and tailor things to, to James's skill set. He has an he has arguably the best running back in the in the in the league. He's got Alvin Kamara. So even if he's dumping it off, there's a good chance that the Saints are going to move the ball. Um, he has a secondary option in Taysom Hill. So, so that threat is still there, which has proven to be a threat for quite some time now. So there are other good things that, are, that, that the Saints have got, which will make them a semi-successful team, I think. And their defence is, is, pretty, is pretty good as well. So I, I don't think it's the worst thing that they could have done, but it's not far from the worst thing they could have done, picking him um, uh, as the starting quarterback, because the one thing that Jameis does have uh, going for him is that his ability to throw it to the other team. He's very good at that. Um, we had it for five years in Tampa Bay, and people sort of said, yeah, yeah, he, he threw 30 touchdowns last year, but 
or he, th- he threw 53 touchdowns last year or whatever it was, but, you know, 17 of them went the other way. Um, I don't think he is, he's the guy. I think he makes a very good backup quarterback. That's what he does. Uh, but he's not a guy to lead it. And we, we were only too happy to see the back, or I was anyway, to see the back of him. I'm sure he's a super bloke and he's a really good teammate and he has skills, but has he the skills to take you all away? No. I um I disagree because I think they've got the best offensive line in the league and they've got the, arguably the best running back in the league. So why lean on Jameis? Lean on him. Because you're going to have to. Well, I don't know. I mean, football's a funny game and I think the Saints have got a difficult situation because they've been blown out by the hurricane um, for the first month or so. Um, and they'll do well to, you know, get to their, um, get to, you know, the halfway stage at 500. But, I go back to what I was saying about the NFC. I don't think it's particularly strong. You look at the AFC, it's absolutely loaded with teams that could get mm. to the playoffs. I think that there's only half a dozen teams in the NFC that are actually any good. And I think the Saints are one of them. And your team starts with your offensive line and they've got the best in football. And if they sit behind Kamara and he stays fit, then you're you're there. And then it's all about getting into the ball game at the end of the day. They were let down last year in the playoffs because Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball. Bottom line. And you know, they, you know, they, they were battering teams with when, when they were running it on Kamara. And Drew Brees for the last two seasons was a game manager. He hit that cliff and went off it. And that's why I, I, I retain this eternal optimism that Brady will do exactly the same thing at some point in the next year or so. He will suddenly hit the cliff, fall off it, and Tampa will have nothing left. And Rodgers might go the same way too. But if you've got a running back that you can fall back on, if you've got an offensive line, which New Orleans do, you're always in with a shout. They're not going to get bullied in, on the, in the line. And they've got, you know, two or three good players on defense that can make plays. So I don't know, I, th- I think Paul is being overly um, pessimistic. That's not, not not to say that he's not like that all the time, because he is. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I think you're being far too pessimistic. And the reason I am pumping up famous Jameis is because he is in my fantasy team <laughs> and I am going to back him all the way. <laughs> So, this is, this, is, this, is why, this is why I don't play fantasy, right? And, <laughs> and fantasy, you this should never way. ever play fantasy because it gives you a warped view of the world. <laughs> it makes you think positively about people that just have no redeeming qualities, okay? As he may be pessimistic, Paul, but he's also a person who gives people second chances, as we've learned <laughs> um, in the pod. My, my, it, it's all very well. You know, Sean Payton is a, is, is a guru. He's an offensive, you know, I'm not going to call him a genius, but he's a, you know, he's a seriously clever and well-prepared, thought-out coach. But it's different when he's got one page in his playbook that goes, what should we, what should we do, lads? Oh, let, let's give it Kamara again. <laughs> okay, we'll do that. And then, and then he does that for 40 minutes. Defences are going to work that out. They're going to work that out. And sometimes they're going to... All I would say is if you're going up against the Saints, and Paul, you must know this, is that people are, they're going to, they are basically going to make Jameis throw the ball. They're going to load the box and they're going to make Jameis throw the ball. Now, if you're playing divisional games, okay, makes no odds against Atlanta and Carolina because, you know, Carolina rebuilding Atlanta just generally cag. But, um, but when you are playing against a defense like the Bucks, who are that quick, and they are, they are that quick on defense. They are that good in that loaded front seven. You're going to bring up Whitehead. You're going to bring up Antoine Winfield. And you're just going to say, right, Jameis, beat us. 
beat us through the air and other teams are going to do that as well. I agree with I agree with Charles that there isn't a huge amount of talented teams yeah. in the in the uh, in the NFC and the AFC are loaded. And I still see the Saints causing problems. I do. But it's when you get down to the crux of the season, you know, when you get down to to, to wildcard games or, or must-win games and you put the ball in Jameis's hands. You put the ball in but you know, if you're in a if you're in a two-minute drill with Jameis, I'm worried. Well, I think so, but the heel, he has also thrown for 5,000 yards. I don't know why I'm defending him here, but no, he so, has done it. Yeah, I, I think done it's it. more than Jameis. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah, you know, he's, I think he's in a better situation than he yards. ever was in Tampa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Better than he ever was. Uh, so Michael Thomas missing is a problem, and I think there's a lack of depth at wide receiver. But I'm going to come to the schedule because I think this is something that brings this conversation around. Right? It, let's go through the games, and I think I can pitch to you where the Saints have a pretty damn good season. So they open at the start at the Packers, and let's put one in the loss column there. Right? Let's just give them that. I think they could beat the Panthers in week two. That wouldn't be a surprise. They can beat the Patriots. Week three with Mac trying to find his feet, then they can beat the Giants. I'm sure they absolutely can. They can beat Washington, uh, then the Seahawks. Let's be err on the side of caution and give that as a defeat. Then it's the Bucks defeat. Then it's the Falcons. They can win that. Titans a defeat probably, but then they can beat the Eagles and the Cowboys, the Jets. They've got a defeat against the Bucks and the Bills possibly. Then it's the Dolphins. They can beat the Dolphins. They could beat the Panthers again, and they could beat the Falcons. I've got an eleven and six season. I think that's eminently possible. And, I, do you know and what that's the not big in the wild. Is... And you don't need to worry about yeah. the wild card with an eleven and six potentially. Yeah. Oh no, you might because the Bucks. Sorry, I'm forgetting. But that aside, you know that's a you, you're uh, probably the, one of the stronger teams playing one of the weakers in the NFC. So there, there's. There's no reason not to. And the thing is, they've got the building blocks in place and a guy who has thrown ridiculous numbers of yards, albeit some of them have come back the other way. But <laughs> I think the biggest question is whether they're going to be able to play in their own stadium. Because if they can't play in the Dome, then... Yeah, it's going to be a big knock, for sure. I, 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 I'm of the opinion, and sorry, I'll come back to you, Paul. You can have the final word, yeah. I promise. But um, on this one, I feel like Jameis deserves a roll of the dice here. And I think that that's what this is. To your points, he's not been a leader to date. He has been a quarterback that was picked number one and kind of wandered around the building like Billy Big Boss and thought he was it and had all the attention and loved it and he's lost it. So this is the moment where you go, right, you had your moment in the limelight and you kind of screwed it. Here's your second chance. This is now your team because actually you've worked hard and you've earned this. Here's, here's the line in the sand. Now move forward and show us who you are. And if he can move forward and show us what he's capable of and he can screw his head in, I think he is capable of being a top-end quarterback. Can he do that? That is the question. Bigger than any other, because I think he is capable. He's had his eyes lasered as well, and we've not touched on that. But, um, you know, uh, he needs to screw the neck. He needs to not panic. He needs to take the leadership of Sean Payton, and he needs to drive it and make it his team. If he can do it, then... Good on him, and I will celebrate him doing so. And I will ride that Saints bandwagon all the way till they lose to the 49ers. Um, but <laughs> right, two, two points, two you points, because he wears yeah. number two. One, uh, I am never wearing a Winston jersey, so don't anybody be a smart arse and send me one. Thank you very much. And two, I agree, I agree. Jameis Winston terrifies teams. Sadly, it's mainly its own. <laughs> That's it. So there Terrible. you go. Terrible. <laughs> right. I, I, 
I, I'm with you though, Cam. I am. And I, I and if he is successful, I am. I, that will be the nicest tasting humble pie that you know I will ever eat because I, I don't get off on on players not having successes. And and I think you're right. There is a little bit of you know crashing down to earth being a backup quarterback after being the number one overall selection. So much hype, having a team and having all the attention on him, and that's been taken away. Going. And he, let's be right, he's watched Drew Brees. Now, Drew, Drew Brees may have fallen off that cliff, but his leadership and his mentality is something that he will have picked up on. And and I, I would be so happy if James Winston did have success. Yeah. It's, it's whether, you know, I don't think it necessarily will work out. But I still think the Saints are a playoff caliber roster. Still think, I, I still think that. Um but again, it's when the important business end of the season comes. When he's coming to the business end of games as well, how does he stack up? Has he got the wherewithal and can he absorb the pressure? And and, and I hope he does. I really do. So let's kind of wrap up this whole NFC South chat by discussing how we see things planning out. There's two questions here. We'll stick to the division first of all. Um does does anybody have anyone other than the Bucks winning the division? Let's make this an easy conversation. No, right. Uh, oh. I'm going to stick my neck out and oh. say I think there's. Oh, you're just being facetious now, here, Charles. Got... You're just being facetious. God, I'll I've see... never seen anyone so sour <laughs> about one result that can completely warp their view Cameron, of. <laughs> Cameron, the Bucks Cameron, are winning Cameron, this division. 11 wins. Cameron just predicted 11 wins. And I think if that happens, then I think they're in with a shout. And just to make it entertaining, I'm going to say that they're going to win it on the final weekend of the season. Okay. And Tampa don't need to don't need to win the division. They can get to the Super Bowl with a wild card. So it doesn't matter really. They're not going, going to. Have you seen their schedule? I'm <laughs> going to interject briefly. Charles, Daggers, you're already due three burgers. Uh, yeah. On your trip to Scotland, we might as well I get some sides. We might as well get some or some dessert. <laughs> I'll buy you some onion rings. Don't you worry. So hey, hang on, hey, How, wait, hey. wait, humble pie. Right. So we will, we will, oh, we will get something like that, a cheesecake or some kind of pie that's on cheesecake. the line here. I don't know whether a cheesecake, a crab cake, if it's going to be Jameis that's doing it. To be fair, but. Um, <laughs> Um, right, pie. It's it's an apple pie pudding. At the very least, it goes on this. No burgers. A humble apple pie. Are we happy for this? Yeah, I will take. I will gladly take a slice of apple pie <laughs> uh, because that's what I will be getting. If you, I, I genuinely, I look at the I look at the schedule and I only see. Honestly, I'm looking at it right now. I, I see three potential losses and uh, as in three three games which i actually think not that we'll lose they may win the games they may win all of the games um because it isn't actually that tough a schedule for tampa bay if you look at it it really isn't i see going to the the rams for a struggle i see uh the indianapolis colts at the colts I see as a bit of a strike. I think they could be a, a, another team that could be massive in a weak division. 
but I still think they're going to be a pretty reasonable team this year. Uh, and I see the Bills coming to Tampa as yeah, I think the Bills are a great team. I think they're, they're real. I think that could be a great game, one that circle. I think that could be one of the games of the season, and I think that is a potential loss for us. Otherwise. If we win all of those three, we'll go uh, 17 and 0, go through the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. Because that's something Tom's not done. Um, and uh, I would then come over to, to Scotland and just eat many apple pies. Dear me. Maybe I'm being a little facetious now. But, 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 but I mean, I, I, I thought I, any I think... team that managed to lose to the Chicago Bears last season cannot be taken seriously as a franchise. Um, that, it's not happening. <laughs> You're not doing How it. How do you live? Just <laughs> quite uh, happily. Do you not just walk around and trip over your bottom lip quite all happily. the time? No, 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 it's, it's fine. Just terrible. It's fine. Listen, I, you I, lucky. I'll tell you what. Brady, I'll tell you fine, what we fine. need to do. Yeah. We we need to get daggers up here for one of our NFL Scotland events. Yeah. We need to get Charles there at the same time because this is done, <laughs> and I have to I have to stress this. To the people listening, this is done without the aid of alcohol. Imagine there was alcohol involved. <laughs> you know, to be carnage. You invite me, I will be there. Right. <laughs> next Sunday, pal. Next Sunday. Yeah, yeah. If you're free next Sunday, you're very welcome to come and join. Um, right, um, I, 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 when you do, if you do do that, and, and generally, I don't know. If you do, if you do have your own events, get us up there. I'd be more than happy. I'd, be, I'd love it. It'd be right. great. We'll get you at one of our events later we in the season. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Consider it booked. We'll get something in the diary. Um, brilliant. Okay. Oh, man, that was an absolute whirlwind of nonsense, let's be honest. Um, so, I guess let's move away from the NFC for a second, because one of the things that were, you know, last season we did a lot of previews and things like that. This year, rather than doing a divisional preview in every single division, we're kind of more focusing on some of the stories, and we'll pick up the divisions when we get into the season and start to go into it with a bit of a, you know, at least some knowledge of how things are going to pan out. I think that one of the topics that we've touched on a couple of times is the rookies and the guys that we're looking forward to seeing play. We've seen the preseason games now. We're kind of getting a feel as to who might be a factor early. We know there's going to be, Mac Jones is going to be QB1 week one. We know that Trevor Lawrence is. We know that Zach Wilson is. Questions over Justin Field and Trey Lance and how quickly they feature and how often. There's obviously a... Uh, uh, not bereft, a bucket of wide receivers. There's a couple of running backs. We've lost Travis Etienne, and it will be pronounced Etienne as long as I'm in charge of this podcast. Etienne. <laughs> um, there's Kyle Pitts. There's a lot of exciting players, but who, and we've not even touched defensive, but who are the, who's the rookie that you're most excited to see? Who's the rookies whose story you're more in, most interested to follow? And Daggers, we're going to start with you on that one. Well, the, uh, I have to say, there is, because of the, the five taken uh, in the first round, the, the, the most intriguing storylines always surround rookie quarterbacks. Um, and, and remember, you've obviously got the sort of second seasons of some who are, who are within the league as well. You know, how does Joe Burrow come back? And there is a lot of young quarterback talent in the league at this moment in time. I mean, Crocky, you look at someone like a Carson Wentz or a, or a Sam Dog, they're still relatively youthful when it, when it comes to their experience within the league. I think the most intriguing one for me is Matt Jones. Because you come to uh, and New England have been a really interesting off-season storyline. You've got Belichick, who's done two things which he never does. One is spend big in free agency, and we're talking big, big. Um, 
Yes, he likes veteran players. Yes, he likes to bring them in, but he likes to bring them in in a very Bill Belichick way and a kind of, oh, well, you know, you're not loved there, but we'll love you, but not for a great deal of money. They have spent big in free agency. He also doesn't necessarily bar the one that he did have back in 1999, like rookie quarterbacks. Um, and so that is the most intriguing storyline for me. Um, I like, uh, and okay, it's preseason. You can't run anything into preseason. But according to what we've seen, he looks like a pretty good prospect, does Matt Jones. He looks like he is the Belichick kind of quarterback where he's accurate. Um, he's mobile. He's, you know, he's not supersonically mobile like a Lance or a Fields, but, you know, he is mobile enough. I'm looking forward to seeing the new era there and how he performs under the weight of expectation and to fill in the whole brady size hole that has been left in New England. Now, what the bonus is for, for Matt Jones is that they had a year of Cam Newton. And had he gone straight in after Tom Brady, goodness me, that must have been that would have been a very, very hard thing to follow as a young rookie yeah. quarterback. But they've had a year of Cam Newton who wasn't massively successful, and therefore there was sort of an optimism there in New England. So that's the storyline that's intriguing to me. The thing is, I also think um, so. So as as rookies go, you know, Trevor Lawrence is coming into a, a bad team. Uh, or his historically bad team. So obviously they're going to improve. I'm intrigued to see how he performs with all of this uh, surrounding him. Similarly with Zach Wilson. The other one is, is Justin Fields at, uh, at, at Chicago. Is he going to be the guy that turns the franchise around and makes them a little bit sexy? Cause they're not, you know, they never have been, you know, they've not been, you know, uh, promiscuous, if you like, as an offense <laughs> for quite some time. Um, so there's loads of different storylines. I always get excited about looking at, at, at how young quarterbacks fare there uh, and watching them. And because I get excited about, because we all love the game and we all love um, uh, seeing which direction it will go uh, and who is going to be, uh, uh, you know, out of the five, the, the law of averages tells you that probably two are not going to be successful. Um, I, I hope all five are, and we get to see some high quality quarterback play in the next three years from all of those franchises, um, except maybe San Francisco. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but no, I think I, I, they're the, the five that, that, you know, of the, uh, the, the storylines for me. Um, I hope Joe Burrow comes back uh, fit enough. Uh, um, and and I like seeing success. I, I do. I celebrate success. And I hope that, um, that, that that we do see something in, in those five guys. It won't happen because that's not how the NFL works. Yeah. Uh, but the most intriguing storyline for me is the one in New England. Brown. Well, it took 57 minutes to achieve it, but we finally found common ground between the Charleses because the Bears being unsexy on offense is something that Mr. Patterson can surely agree with. Charles, who is it that you're looking out for, though, for the rookie performances this year? No, I, I want to see what Justin Fields is made of because the Packers need a challenge. And let's be honest, the, the Chicago Bears, my brother-in-law is a Chicago Bears fan, and I mercilessly wind him up for the ineptitude of that. Um, franchise to be able to actually select duds year after year after year. Um, the fact that they're going to be riding into week one with Andy Dalton is frankly hilarious. Um, <laughs> God bless Andy Dalton, and he was he was half decent in Cincinnati, but you saw him last year for Dallas. He's done. 
He's he's done. So listen, Justin Fields is exciting. The fact that he's come out of Ohio State as well, which is obviously such a prolific college, but has not had a really very good track record of mm-hmm. producing quarterbacks. I mean, Haskins being the latest example of one who's flopped. Um, I think it'll be fascinating to see what Chicago do. And actually, I think I think the NFL is better with Chicago being a decent team. They've got a good defense, and they've actually. They've got half a chance of doing quite well. And hey, they got to the playoffs last year. So, and that was with Trubisky. So if they can get to the playoffs with Trubisky, then actually it pushes Green Bay on because that's ultimately the only game that matters for Green Bay, you know, um, out, out with winning the Super Bowl or getting to the latter stages. It's, you've got to beat Chicago twice. Um, the, I mean, I, I can't say with any great um, certainty that I'm worried about the rest the rest of the quarterback field, the, the rookie quarterback field. I think the, the thing I'm interested in is you look at all these receivers that, that were drafted in the first round. Um, Waddle, who's down at Miami. Um, Devontae Smith, I think, is at Philadelphia. And Jamar Chase is at um, Cincinnati. They've all landed in situations that are not very good. Um, I don't think... I mean, Jamar Chase is going to have to fight for balls because he's got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins there. And Miami, well, two, nobody knows how two is going to play out. And Philadelphia are a train wreck. So these three receivers are under quite a bit of pressure. And then you look at the the, the, the sleeper receiver, the one that a lot of people were talking about, who then went to the Jets. Apparently, the the, the, the receiver of the offseason is, uh, is a guy called Elijah Moore. And apparently he mm. is phenomenal. But he's at the Jets. So you feel sorry for these young guys who are coming in and are possibly going to be, you know, they've got potential to be superstars. But if they're not in a good quarterback position or, or in a situation, how are they going to flourish? So it'll be interesting to see which of those receivers really lights up like Justin Jefferson did last year. Because at the end of the day, that's how you score your points and that's how you win your games. It's not just about your quarterback. You've got to have someone that's going to catch the ball because it's a throw first league. Yep, indeed. Paul, Mitchell, what are you thinking? What's your number one rookie storyline for the year? Well, can I just point out there's only one Paul on the podcast, so the surname's superfluous. But it is thanks very much for, for the plug. Um, that was very kind of me. Um, I, I, I'm with Daggers. I want to see Mac Jones. I think that's a fascinating storyline. Didn't go in the top 10, but Bill Belichick has decided he's his guy. Now, Daggers is right. They've spent a lot of money because Belichick needs to win a Super Bowl. Brady's gone somewhere else and done it. He needs to do it without uh, TB, and he's put his money on Mike Jones. I think that's fascinating. I think Trevor Lawrence, because you always want to see the top pick. Now, he Mm. will spend a lot of time running away, but what I want to see is, can he get rid of the ball quickly and safely and doesn't just start flinging the ball downfield in in hope? I think he's smart enough, and I think... What we'll see is we'll see him get terrified, but I think we'll see he's going to be smart. Now, he's not a rookie, but first season at a new club. I've mentioned him, Sam Darnold. I'm fascinated to see how Sam Darnold's going to do. Um, Will we see the Packers have got, uh, they drafted a guy in the first round last year that we've not seen yet. Will we see him at some point? That's that's going to be interesting. Um, It's interesting seeing the Bears have not been promiscuous. They've certainly been on the receiving end of some promiscuous stuff in recent times. It'd be interesting to see where they go. Um, there's a couple of other storylines that I think, and it's not strictly rookies, but I think are interesting. The Texans, I'm really fascinated to see how the Texans are going to come out of all of this. I mentioned in our last pod that I think the quarterback should be under league mandated suspension and isn't as yet. And the, the final one, 
um, th that I'm looking at is the Seattle offensive line. Are they just yeah. going to, you know, are they just going to part like the Red Sea and let Russell Wilson get clattered for the first time after all his comments? So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And just to touch on your pre-season thing, Cameron, I think pre-season's like film, trainer, film trailers. You can make anything look great. Doesn't matter. Movies suck. Players look good when the pressure's not on. I want to see these guys not in pre-season. Week one, absolute give and go from there. Don't tell Gordon McGuinness that, by the way, because the Ravens <laughs> haven't lost since about 1973 in pre-season. King of pre-season. You know, king of pre-season. Pre um, so, right, to wrap this up, and just before I get into mine, I need to jump in because the NFL have posted an article saying that the Cowboys are not interested in Cam Newton. So there you go. Officially, uh, Cam Newton is moving to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, no, um, the story... <gasps> Listen, I'm rarely wrong. We've covered this. Oh, no, shit. Loads of burgers. I'm often wrong. Never mind. Um, the story I am most interested in is one that you've all kind of touched on, but I think it's fascinating because of different things you mentioned, and that's the Jamar Chase one. I'm actually really interested to see if this guy is everything that he's meant to be. Better than Justin Jefferson's what we've been told. He was the number one wide receiver at LSU under Joe Burrow, so, and Joe Burrow's coming back, so there's a double edge to that story. Story because it's not just about how good is Jamar Chase. It's is Joe Burrow back and is Burrow throwing him the ball? Because if that does happen, I think it'll be really fascinating to see if those two players can rekindle what they had at LSU, especially given that Chase didn't play much last year at all and is obviously coming in a little bit cold. Burrow's coming back from the injury. There's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes. And I think that that's got a real potential to be a, a fascinating storyline throughout the season similar to what we saw with Jefferson, where he came in and was tremendous um, and, and and was an absolute asset to the Vikings, where now if you're sitting down and you're doing, sorry to bring it back to fantasy, but you're drafting Thielen or Jefferson, do you know what? There's a solid chance you're going Jefferson first. Um, and that's just the way it goes because of the performance he's put in. So for me, Jamar Chase is the story to follow. Clearly as a niner, I want to see what Trey Lance is going to do and I'm excited to see it. Clearly watching the quarterbacks is brilliant. But I just think for pure story, for pure that sentimental value, you know, you've got the fact that you've had um, Jalen Waddle has landed with one of his former quarterbacks. You've got that um, Devonta Smith has landed with one of his former quarterbacks, as has Jamar Chase. This was the draft of going back to your college that your quarterback was at and getting a player he played mm. with. Let's see how it pans out. And I think the best chance of it doing so is in Cincinnati. So that's my But isn't this, isn't this why this is the best time of year? It really is. And obviously before the football starts, because the, the amount of stories, we talk about the rookies, but how's, you know, how's Matt Stafford going to get on in Los Angeles under Sean McVay? You know, and how's the flip side going to work in Detroit? These these sides, you know, what's the Jordan Love era going to be like at Green Bay? Why does Charles hate his brother-in-law so much? Because that's what he's actually said on this podcast. Um and it's on it's on tape now, and and so so you know this thing. But I, I, I'm sure you're we're all in agreement of this. There are so many different. I, I'm with Paul saying about you know how is Seattle going to protect Russell Wilson? Is he going to just be running his entirety of the season as he did last year? Um, Fitz Magic in Washington can he actually you know you would imagine that they're a, a reasonable shout for a playoff berth because of the division they're in. Um, so there were so many. I want to see the second year of Justin Herbert. I loved that guy last year. Yeah. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. 
you know, they've added to to, to uh, the roster there in San Diego. They're going to protect him, or they're hopefully going to protect him. You know, they've, they've bought him free agency and through the draft. So there's so many different, you know, J.J. Watt's over in Arizona now. Every single team have storylines that all of us as fans love to see or want to see how it all plays out. Um, and this is why... It's 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 the start of something. It's a week away, and we can't wait to see the story and the narrative unfold for the new year, or for the new season. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, we're going to blow the full time whistle for episode one hundred and fifty eight because I don't know that we can get any more excited about the season than we can. Um, <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this one. Uh, do sign up for our Pick'em competition sponsored by the Bonnie Sauce Company. A great chance to win an NFL jersey, uh, NFL Scotland hoodie, the title of the Pick King or Queen of Scotland. Do make sure that you share your thoughts on this and every episode on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, look out for a spin-off pod, Charles Patterson versus Charles Dagnall. That, that I think we, we, we should monetize that. That, that, would, that would certainly work. There's no doubt about it. My thanks to Charles Patterson. My thanks to Charles Dagnall. Brilliant hour of chat, gentlemen. Do check out our social media channels. Watch out for our Bob Ag competition that we talked about on the pod. The last one, we've got all the great writers writing on the NFL Scotland website. And we'll be back very, very soon indeed as we get ready for the start of what's bound to be a wonderful NFL season. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye for now.